Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday afternoon. I'm trying to be efficient here and see if I can get this out in time for it to get overseas, especially to Israel. <coughs> um, this uh, podcast is being um, sponsored by the Riznitskis, sure in honor of the recent wedding, and uh, other Simchus, they share both Simchus and family. Uh, I appreciate the fact that this week we're able to get sponsors, and some are starting to come in, but uh, we still need, it's always a tricky business. So thank you for that. <clears throat> now, we have a very interesting, well, they're all interesting, but each one in its own way. I don't sound like, you know, cliche. But, um, you know, this is the Haftorah from Omos, who's one of my favorite prophets. I had to memorize this. My father drilled in my head when I was a kid <clears throat> with the old Shalak <clears throat> uh, Tanakhs. But anyway, um, Prophet Amos Omos is uh, a Navi in the north. And uh, we have a small piece at the very end of the Book of Amos. There's a small Haftorah this week. And uh, one thing about Amos is very striking, you understand? He's a master of language and style, which is why um, it's very tricky. The Rambam says very famously <coughs> in the Murder Book, you can't be a Navi without uh, going through certain uh, initial measures. And uh, you have to have the right education, the right imagination. It's in the third part of the Guide for the Perplexed. And uh, a guy can't just be a yachts in one minute and, and, and then after that, uh, a Navi. You have to be Chacham, Ben Tovim, Asher, this, that, and the other. And immediately everybody jumps on the Rambam, correctly so. They say, well, you have a lot of prophets out there that certainly weren't or don't come across as coming from these rich and highly educated backgrounds, all the rest of it. And Amos is usually used as an example because when he was uh, attacked and criticized, he says, I'm just a sycamore, uh, uh, you know, uh, tender. Because I, I, uh, agricultural labor or something like that. <coughs> and so you say, see, here's a guy with no education, nevertheless. Uh, he became a major Navi. And, um, you know, let me put it this way. He may have said that he comes from an undistinguished background. I don't believe it. And I'm sure the Rambam would say the same thing. They can talk in humble tones. But clearly, he picked up a fancy education because the safer of Amos is very, very, uh, what do you call it? Uh, High-class Hebrew. Very poetic. Very stark. And, uh, and therefore, it's often quoted. <clears throat> now, you could counter and say, do you believe in the theory of um, verbal direct inspiration? Like Sanskrit Phil Hirsch. Who said that the Neviim, not only Moshe Rabbeinu, but also the Navi, Hashem told him what words to say. But most people understand that the difference precisely between Moshe Rabbeinu on the one end and the Neviim on the other end is the others had a splak, a spaklash in a mirror, and they saw the idea and they had to put it in their own words. If he had to put it in his own words, then he was, <coughs> he had to, I don't care what he says about it, you know, having no education. He obviously had a big education. <coughs> uh, that's clear. Now, um, you know, to be able to use all this fancy stuff. Uh, and he's a master of rhetoric. The beginning of 
almost the safer almost, which is after Torah somewhere is Ashlosha Pishyanu Bal Barloshimenu, Ashlosha Pishy Domestic Bal Barloshimenu, Abala Lashimenu. All that stuff, which I'm sure I've talked about, I'm sure, <clears throat> in uh, in earlier podcasts, is a highly fancy form of speech of, of rhetoric. It's calculated to uh, hit the crowd like a two by four, as is what he's going to be talking now. <clears throat> now, in today's of Torah, which is Achimos Kedoshim, but really fits more for Achimos, and there's a whole history to it. And I think if you look at, I think if you look at the art school, of blue Chumash, you know, the stone Chumash, they have a whole long paragraph or two. When it gets to this after it's a beam iron, and you'll see it was originally this, and they switched it to that. Whatever the case is, <clears throat> clearly, um, to many, to me, uh, the Novi almost they're putting here for the after because of the theme. It's the end of Achimos. Achimos says, don't get involved with all these arayas, all these toevas, all these sexual things, as and so on and so forth, because uh, the land will kick you out. Okay? It says in. Um, in Pashachimos, Alti Tumbo Bacholela. Here it is. Kibacholela nit magoma shen mishlechem, but tit mars, for efkot of unlove, a talky arts as Yisrael. God says the reason I'm kicking out the Canaanites is because they went too far. <laughs> right? They, they, they went too far in all this Araya, skill Araya's business. Ushmartem, Atem, Velos Asu, Mikal Tobo Sela. Kikal Tobo Sela, Asu, and Shiarts as Shil of Nechem, for tit mars, Velos Saki arts as Chem. And it goes on and on about that. <clears throat> so, there are circumstances in which the Jews will lose their promised land. So here you have Moses, who took the Jews out of Israel, promising them all along the way that I'm taking it to a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, I know there was a couple detours because of the golden calf and the Ramadan, so it took 40 years and the generation died out, but the children, you know, <clears throat> they're going to come to a land flowing milk and honey. And Pashib shot, and I'm sure some people understood it this way at that time, is all your troubles are over. Once you get to Eretz Yisrael, you'll be on your own. you have your own country. God loved you so much that since you're the sons of Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, they were promised the land of Canaan. You had to go under go slavery. Now the slavery's over. You get the big uh, enchilada. You know, you get you get Israel. And you and your descendants will live happily and ever. Not true. Not true. It says in Aparshah Zachimos, there are circumstances under which even though you got Eretz Yisrael, the land can vomit you out. That's the language. So your connection with Eretz Yisrael is always going to be a conditional. And does he does. And get over it. Now, at the time of Amos, the Jews had been in Israel uh, 700 years, 800 years, something like that. A long time. <coughs> long, long time. You know, you can do the numbers. Uh, Shlomo Melchit says, built the base of Migdash 480 years after you see Israel. So 440 years after they entered Israel. So up to Shlomo Melch, you got 440 years. And from Shlomo down to the time of Amos, Amos lived in the northern kingdom. You know, Israel was two kingdoms at that time. Amos lived in the northern kingdom, the time of Yeram II, Yeram So he's a contemporary of Yonah, the prophet Jonah. Which means that at the time Amos is predicting, if you know your, your timeline a little bit, he's a 40 years or so, maybe 50 years less, from the Corban of the north. Not that long after this prophecy, the kingdom of Yisrael, the ten tribes as they call them, was wiped off. Right? Carried off in the, into exile and slavery by Ashur, and it's gone. So it was Mamash right around the corner, so to speak. <clears throat> now, you you look it up. You'll see, Yeroboam died, but then his son was six months, and then the guy was one month. It was a very short time. So, what he's warning the people is, 
you can lose Israel, just like it says in the Chumash. He doesn't use these words, but the Haftar juxtaposing to it, that's what it means. In the Chumash it says, if you So you have Israel, but it's always in a condition. And you can lose Israel. Right? <clears throat> now here's the thing, listen closely. The Jews, and I believe many Mephoshim say this, I think. Now the Jews at that time figured that that they got Israel, they believed. That they can lose Israel, they didn't believe so much. Because they've been there, as they say, for, for many, many centuries. <clears throat> In most countries, most people don't imagine they can lose a country by a defeat. After all, Egypt has been conquered a thousand times, but the Egyptians are still there. You know, uh, many China's been conquered a lot of times, and the Chinese are still there, and so forth and so on. There are many countries in Europe and elsewhere there were colonies of others, and they didn't get their independence until recently. But the people were still there, you see? <clears throat> the Bulgarians, I don't know why that comes to mind, lost their independence in the 1300s. They didn't get it back to the 1800s, but, but they were still there. So the Jews, they figured just like everybody else, if they screw up, maybe they'll be conquered and uh, subjugated by others, but they'll still be there. And here comes the prophet almost, and others, but this Haftarah is almost, and he says, not really, you could lose it. You'll lose the country, and, and you're going to exile. And, you, and we'll have no shakas to it. Uh, and, you know, the people don't necessarily believe it. So this Haftor is <clears throat> fascinating, in my opinion. That's all I can ever share with you, as I say always. Because it raises the question of what is the exact meaning of the chosen people, and what is the meaning of Claw Yisrael as an entity that has grace, that has an insurance policy. Because it totally conforms with that. There's, there, there's an old idea that we all know, or you should. There's a Zach called Klai Yisrael, which I've spoken many times. And you can see, you know, in, in the old swarm, you don't hear it so much today because we've been fractionated ever since the rise of modernity. Orthodox, conservative, reform, this group and that group. But <clears throat> classically speaking, there's the idea of Klai Yisrael. And Klai Yisrael itself is impervious and can't be destroyed. They have, like I say, insurance policy guaranteed from Hashem and so on and so forth. However, it's very easy to conflate that with individual, so that's national grace. It's easy to mix that up and conflate it with individual grace. That's clearly what happened. People think, because the Jewish people can't be destroyed, I can't. And that's not true. The collectivity, there will always be survivors, right? The collectivity can't be destroyed. But individuals can and are. And this is what he's warning about. And he's saying over here, and this whole short half Torah, it's not a long half Torah, it's easy to read. He says, this whole business, there's no guarantee. Hello, Kibnei Kushim Atemli Bnei Israel. You think you're something special? You're no different than the Bnei Kushim, which is the black people. Now, the only reason I say this is because it was simply the Ethiopians. I don't agree with all the translations. Ethiopians are Bnei Kush. It's very, those of you who know have writ, it's very interesting construction. It's not Hello, Kibnei Kush Atemli, Hello, Bnei Kushim. Right? Now, what it means is, the push, I'm going with Pasha Pashat. Pasha Pashat is, you're nothing special, you're no different than the Bnei Kushin. Alois Yisrael, Alois Mitzrayim, yeah, I took you out of Egypt, but you're not the only nation that has a chosen people narrative. Many people's nations have a chosen people narrative, and they have histories, and they have heroics to them. The Philistines were taken from the island of Crete, and, and, and that's how they conquered uh, the Gaza Strip and Aram came from a place called Kir, which is in Iraq. In other words, each one of these people has built up its own 
national mythology, its own national narrative, which is not necessarily incorrect and may be accurate. <clears throat> and they use it to buttress <clears throat> a chosen people uh, narrative. And to chosen people narrative buttresses the idea of the indestructibility of the nation. And that's the way it is with almost every um, in the world. You know, sometimes they criticize the Jewish people for saying Dama Nivchar, but the Germans have such concepts, the Lithuanians, the Russians, the Polish, Hungarians, and around the world. <clears throat> Each nation builds its, its own narrative around the idea that we're the center of the universe, and everybody else is just like the planets revolving around us, you know. So Hashem, so the prophet is saying like this, don't think you're, you're anything special. If you screw up, you do Averis, and they were doing Averis. This is the time of Yerav Mashendi. <clears throat> so, um, things, let's put it this way, the Jewish nation, I'm talking about the kingdom of the north, was relatively speaking prosperous, relatively speaking victorious. During his time, the Jews, who previously had been beaten and killed all the time by Aram, now reversed it and conquered Aram. You look it up in the Book of Kings. <clears throat> okay? I would even point out, if you go by the Chazal, by the Yushalmi, that in the time Amos is living, they finally finished off the last Canaanite stronghold, the last bubble that was left from Joshua's time. So they must have been feeling good about themselves. But at the same time, you have social injustice. Oh my goodness. Amos is the big critic of social injustice. I mean, the rich screwing the poor. Let alone the question of worshipping idols. That too. Yes, yes, yes. But in addition to that, you have his terrible descriptions in earlier chapters of what an unjust society was. And Hashem can't stand, you know, the injustice. That's another reason it says, Nechomish, I'll kick you out. And he goes on to say, God is looking at this sinful nation. Don't think you're so great. Right? And I'll wipe you off the face of the earth. So all you guys are going to be killed. And I won't wipe everybody out. <coughs> and this is what his message is, which we know in hindsight. Klal Yisrael as such <coughs> survives. But that doesn't mean it, goes, it does not go through holocausts. It doesn't mean that there's not massive suffering on an individual level. At the end of the day, the efforts to wipe out the Jews will be frustrated. But they'll have a lot of atzlochon along the way, and the Jews themselves, as a group, individual groups, can be killed and destroyed, and the whole families wiped out. Okay? And he says, <clears throat> so again, This kingdom, the kingdom of the north, right, is going to be utterly destroyed, not come back. But Beis Yaakov won't be wiped out. Ephesus, Hashmid, Hashmid, that's Beis Yaakov. Which means, Klal Yisrael as such will not be destroyed. So as we would say today, one day, the ten lost tribes are coming back. Where are they? I don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. It seems like they're not coming back. <clears throat> if you look around the world, you know, they used to say, they're in Africa, they're in Asia, and this place, wherever they hadn't been explored, that's where they're hiding out because that's people said that in desperation they didn't know where they are but now we have Google Maps and Google Earth and all this I mean where are they now having said that <clears throat> I could be wrong and of course we all trust that I am and um, you know the DNA nobody ever heard of DNA a little while ago could be Derek the DNA or, or some other scientific thing to recover the lost tribes of old who knows all I'm saying is Lo and he goes on to say in his vivid way what I'm going to do is, I'm going to take the Jews and I'm going to put them through a sifter. Sieve. 
Now, what happens when you go through a sifter? The gross stuff stays in the top, the good stuff stays at the bottom. But if how would you like to be a pebble or a piece of flour in a sifter? Imagine you were it'd be it would it would torture you. Get it? I know it sounds funny, but I don't mean it to sound funny. Because the marshal is very powerful. You're gonna go through a sifting process. This is what we call gullus, diaspora. And it's not simply the endure periods of time in which you'll be outside of Israel, but there will be sif sifting. There'll always be these processes <coughs> of winnowing, which sounds Darwinian and actually has been Darwinian. Uh, what I mean is, sifting means you get, get you, you take the psalis from the ocho. So what has been the effect down the centuries of all the persecutions of the Jews? Only the hardcore has remained. Derech Klal. You understand? Derech Klal. In the history of the Jews are to get big, they get larger numbers, by Yishman, Yishman, by Yivad, and next they get some kind of a Holocaust type situation or something along those lines, something bad, and <clears throat> the weak fall. Right? Now, by the way, the Holocaust I refer to, and this is an insight that we have from current times, doesn't have to be a uh, violent one. In America, you have a silent Holocaust with intermarriage and all that. And so, at the end of the day, what's happening is those who are not stark are disappearing from Yiddishkeit. You know, as we say in America, they don't have Jewish grandchildren anymore. They literally don't. Right? It's very sad. It's extremely sad. But there's more and more of those types. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're a liar. I'm talking about your first cousin, your second cousin, your sister's brother-in-law. You know, there are people in your family. It's everybody. Right? You know, there's the uncles they don't talk about. And the cousins and all that. And what it really is, is Mamash, what he's saying, I'll put the Jews through all this exile among the Goyim. It'll be like a sifter, and the pebble won't fall to the ground. Meaning, only the good flower will fall to the ground. You know you know how sifter works. When he says the ground, it means the bowl. And the other stuff will stay on top. So it means that they'll be lost to Yiddishkeit. And he says, and he's, uh, predicting a harsh vision. They all die by the sword. <clears throat> Although I would interpret it, right, in light of our knowledge now of the modern Holocaust, the silent Holocaust, doesn't have to mean by a sword. Cherev can be just be um, by destruction. You know, the spiritual destruction. <clears throat> now, once that process takes place, he, he said, don't give up on the Klal Yisrael idea. So he's trying to refine the the um, the meaning of it and um, give the audience, the readers, a better understanding of the process. So yes, there is a grace. And yes, there is a Klal Yisrael idea. But it doesn't apply on an individual level. It does apply on a national level. And in order like, to balance out his harsh terms, he waxes uh, <laughs> prophetic, poetic. Who, as he says over here, in other words, but one time sooner or later, the Gauls will be over. The last pebble will have been sifted out of the Jews, if you want to use that terminology, his terminology. Like I said before, it'll be painful in one way or the other. But not everything is pebbles. The, the, the flour will go into the bowl. So in other words, the claw you throw as an entity, there will be Jews. And they will live the life of Riley, they will live the, the messianic utopia. 
And here he has Bayamu Okim Misokis Dovin and Nafelas, Bugadarkis Pritzim Barbus and Okim, we're the same Kamilam. I'll rebuild the fallen uh, Sukh of Dovin and fix up, you know, do home improvements, as we say today. And it'll be a pretty uh, Sukkah. Laman Yoshua shares Edom, Machal Gaima Shinikashim, and the state of Israel will expand and include Edom. <coughs> and then they'll go through a prosperity. See, he knows the Jews. It's not enough to say that they'll come back to Eretz Yisrael. And it's not even enough to say, for the utopia shot, that they'll expand the borders of Israel to include Sheir Zedom. Which, by the way, is very interesting, because the state of Israel today does include the Negev. The Negev was the area of Edom. It does include the Jordan side. However, I do have to modify that, because uh, I just had somebody in my show who uh, lives half a year over there, half a year over here, and he came back, and he said, you know, the Bedouins are taking over the Negev. Uh, and Israel's not doing anything about it. And they're walking around like they own it. And I hate it. I mean, I don't know. I'm not living there. But the way you describe it, from what I've read in other places, we are losing the negative, which is pretty sad. Uh, so you don't know what the Bunchal has in mind. But in order for this utopian vision to really be good, he has to give it a very heavy economic angle. And therefore, you have the famous vision, so that would be, use modern terminology, you, you, you put your money into one stock, and a minute later, the minute you bought that stock, it doubles and triples and quadruples. In his language, it was, you know, the, the plower will encounter the reaper. So you, have, you, know, you, you, you imagine a farmer plowing a field, going down the line, and by the time he turns it back, it's all grown, like in a second, and he's already reaping it, you know, or he's meeting the reaper. And uh, Sino's instant uh, growth, uh, like I said, for instant economic gratification. The best I can say is, you know, you put your money in some investment, and a minute later, less than a minute later, it's already double and triple and quadrupled. And the mountains will be full of wine, and the hills will melt with fat. Uh, the mountains full of wine, in other words, it'll be one giant kiddish rishon. Right? Asis is the nice wine. The Shafti Shwis Mami Israel will bore him under the Shamas, be a shovel, not to crumb And they'll even get to eat and drink the fruits of their of the bounty. When the Tatimalad Mosan, on that day, I'll plant them in the land. Now planting means firmly planted. In other words, when that utopia happens, it'll be the end of the Gaulish. And it'll be good times from then on. The few people that survived the sifting process. And then the attack will be secure. Until then, you can't be secure. They won't be torn away from the ground that they rested on. So we all know the history of Jewish people is they had Bayashrishan and they lost it. They were all set in exile. And they had Bayashrishan and they lost it. They all set in exile. And anytime the Jews tried afterwards to settle in Israel, like the Crusading times and all that, they were torn off and they lost it and they went to exile. Next time, or at least when the utopian process that the Prophet Amos is talking about in our very interesting after today, uh, it won't be, um, uh, what do you call it? It won't be uh, torn off. So this is described as netatim, you'll be a neta. <clears throat> you know, you'll be a plant, but a plant in the sense of something with very stark roots. Now you say this, this Pasuk is the inspiration of what you see in Domini every Saturday by the Musaf, when you say, Besito Enebik I don't know if you know that when you're davening, 
And uh, it's been a while. I mean, I'm not getting around to that in the Tefillah podcast tomorrow. Maybe, I don't know. I don't have any plan. But anyway, uh, how do you say? Talenu simcha l'artzenu, v'sito ene b'gulenu. Now, talenu v'simcha l'artzenu means this bring us back to Israel. Well, big deal. Tabolo kach polto. You go back to Israel and then you get kicked out again. Right? You go back to Israel for some reason, you'll make a Balfour declaration, and then you'll screw up and you get kicked out again. And so we pray, no, next time we go to Israel, make it the last time. Shetalenu v'simcha l'artzenu, v'sito ene b'gulenu. And plant us firmly in the land so that we won't be one of these funny peoples that loses the land when we get beaten. Okay? Notice we, we yearn for that kind of, uh, I don't want to say the word normalcy because it's not normal what he's describing. Jewish people have their own history and their own fate, which is not similar to the other countries. Almost is saying, and we all know this, the very, um, uh, what should I say, the very proof of the unique nature of the Klai's role is precisely the fact that they have land and then lose it. This is different than others. They have land and they don't lose the land. They themselves get beaten up, but they don't lose the land. The Jewish people claim, and the Torah, that's the main thesis, and almost is a proponent of this, the Jewish people and their funny connection with the land, Gufa shows you that they're the chosen people, but they have Israel al-Tanai. Al-Tanai. And uh, they're not a regular people like somebody else. If you don't like it, lump it, right? Uh, and you yourselves don't deserve anything unless you deserve it. Otherwise, you see? So this uh, last vision in the book of Amos does talk about Israel and the Zionism part, but in this very, well, look, he's a Novi. He's very from way of saying like this. The connection with Eretz Yisrael is always going to be highly conditional. And frankly, the Jews won't be planted in the land until the end of time, until the Messianic era, when you'll have Bilal Mavis, and there'll be no Yitzhahara, and you'll have a perfect time, you know what I mean? In other words, it won't be like now. And uh, then, when the Jewish people will no longer sin, oh, then you'll be Natua, right? Then you'll be safe in your land, the way the French are in their land, the English are in their land. Hey, I don't get it. The French are not Tzadikim, the English are not Tzadikim, the Italians are not Tzadikim. Why are we stuck with this, right? That's part of the chosen people idea. That's what he's saying. Your connection with Eretz Israel is a mystical connection. And mystical connections are not natural. It may look natural, but the presence of the Jewish people in Eretz Israel is not a natural phenomenon. That is, you know, what a lot of the prophets are saying. And that sure is what it's saying in this Torah. And it is nothing but repeating what it says in Achimos. Because <clears throat> Achimos simply says, as I mentioned before, you have all these Arias, if you mess up on the Arias, so Israel is a kind of a country which spits out its inhabitants. It's not a regular country, you see? And although many people yearn, the Chilonim especially, and I understand, it's totally natural. Why can't we have a normal and natural connection with our country? We all know what they want. Let's put it this way. Israel is now 73 years old. The last week was the Yom Ha'atzmut. Nobody is claiming that Israel is a normal country. And nobody's claiming that Israel is secure or anything like that. Even though we got A-bombs, and I think Israel even has H-bombs. Seriously, I mean, H-bombs, all the rest of it. We're still very insecure. And you know and I know, if Israel doesn't send out these um, commando groups every day to block the uh, terrorism, eh, it's not going to last a minute. So we're firmly, (laughs) the Jewish people today are firmly uh, in Israel 
holding on by their fingertips. And the best proof of this is the Kotel and the Beis Hamikdash. You see, we're barely trying to hold on to the Kotel. Nobody's thinking about the Beis. Now, I'm not pushing the idea, right? I'm not a mere Kahana. But I'm simply saying our current state of being, which is now, you know, since 1967, is what, 50-some uh, years, our current state of being is, is, is a wonderful, meaning a wondrous reflection of what Amos is talking about. You're not Natua, and won't be Natua, unless you stop being a Mamlocha Chato. Now, I'm not putting a finger on anybody. This is a, a, a broad and general theological theme. Uh, but uh, the Navi Amos, you know, brings it out. I say that because now we're in Lag Bomer, now we're in the Omer time, even Yom Atzimu, if you wish. You know, the Jewish people are in Israel, and there are amazing things going on in Israel, but we have this, you know, you and I have become used to not normal life. The story of the state of Israel is not normal life. They don't live a normal life. The country is threatened every second. Uh, and, uh, you know, if he had 20 Trumps in a row, all he take is one post-Trump, and, you know, it'll, it'll, it could turn everything around in a second. That's not a normal... France does not live that way. Switzerland does not live that way. China does not live that way. No country really lives that way except Israel. By Israel, the whole world assumes that it's normal. And the Navi, uh, in our Haftar today, is kind of saying, yeah, it is normal. You understand? And if Israel doesn't watch out, they'll be shaken in a sifter again. Okay? And like I said before, nobody wants to be ground up in a sifter. Uh, that can actually be very painful. So uh, it's uh, sobering and food for thought, but uh, the Hebrew is fantastic. Okay, if you want to learn how to do, uh, you know, Hebrew poetry, go to Vrit. You know, almost is uh, is the place. Uh, anyway, that's my opinion. And with that, I wish everybody a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.